You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Episode 135 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Lost Planet Airmen. Lost Planet Airmen is a three-piece punk band hailing from Selkirk and Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Formed out of the ashes of a classic rock band in the back of a sporting goods store, the goal was to make energetic punk songs that get stuck in your head. Formed three weeks before the pandemic took over, all plans had to be changed and redirected to putting all of the effort into their online presence. For more information on Lost Planet Airmen, you can find them on all of the streaming platforms as well as Facebook and Instagram at Lost Planet Airmen. Now here it is, their new single, Peaked in High School. Bye. 
for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, this is Dave Haas, and you're listening to That One Time On Tour. Run for the road, cause it's going on and on. We'll be driving through the darkest night until the break of dawn. We'll be heading for the cities, another show for us to play. To get back in the van, tomorrow we'll do it, we'll do it all. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land, what is going on? As always, this is Chris Swinney, your illustrious host for the podcast known as That One Time on Tour. If this is your first time joining me, This is my podcast where I get to sit down with somebody in or around the entertainment industry and have a stellar conversation. I hope that everyone out there that can hear my voice is doing well and staying safe and healthy during the craziness that is the pandemic. As of today, I am officially on Christmas break from work. The one good thing about teaching music is when the kids are off, You are also normally I would be a little bit more stoked, but I've hardly worked lately due to many of my students with, you know, they're testing positive or they're being contact traced. So I have a lot of kids out right now. So, uh, yeah, normally I'd be a little more stoked, but, uh, yeah, I wish I was working a little bit more. I'm hoping that things, uh, when they kick back off in January, I have a little bit better luck getting people to actually come on a consistent basis. Uh, And as always, if anyone out there is in the Muncie, Indiana area and you are looking for lessons for stringed instruments, or if you're into remote lessons online, hit me up, T-O-T-O-T podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, that's it. I almost had a brain fart there for a minute. (laughs) Listen, if you're listening to this, you can probably figure out how to do it. All the links are over at the website, T-O-T-O-T podcast.com. But today on the program... It's a good one. I've had this one sitting on the hard drive for a while. I had a couple other ones that were time sensitive. And then I found out that this one was sort of time sensitive because we missed the date of the live stream. But there's some other good stuff on here as well. So I apologize to my guest. But my guest is none other than Mr. Dave Haas. Uh, I've been a fan of Dave's for quite a while, uh, starting with his work in the awesome band The Loved Ones. 
He also got his start kind of roading for bands like the Bouncing Souls. But since all of that, he's gone on to have a very successful solo career. And he recently released a new double EP called Patty Patty. Have you guys heard of that? It's it's kind of confusing. Patty Patty. It's where he does reimagined covers of Patty Griffin as well as Patty Costello from Dillinger 4. And uh, I'm a big D4 fan, so this is right up my alley. But uh, that's where the clever name comes from. Patty, P-A-T-T-Y, and then Patty, P-A-D-D-Y. So, uh, yeah, Dave is a great guy. We had an awesome, awesome time chatting and getting to know like one another. Uh, we kind of figured out that we're almost the same age, which is kind of rare. Most of the time, people on the show are way older or way younger than me. So it was nice to have Dave on as we uh, were both 42 years old. <laughs> so uh, I hope you guys enjoy the chat as much as I did. But before I get to my conversation with Dave, as always, I got to pay some bills. We have some amazing sponsors. The band at the beginning of the episode, Lost Planet Airmen out of Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. I love it up in Winnipeg. It's uh it's a good place. They used to have really bad mosquitoes when I was there last time, which was a good 14 years ago, I think. But if you want to check out Lost Planet Airmen, you know, throw them a like on one of the socials or check them out on Spotify or Apple or anywhere else, but they're on the socials at Lost Planet Airmen. So, thank you guys so much for sponsoring today's episode. Also, PartsCasterConcierge.com. My buddy Gary, he builds guitars. He does all kinds of good work over there. Check it out. PartsCasterConcierge.com. S-B-A-M.rocks. Spam Rocks. He does artwork. He has a music festival, a record label. It's a one-stop shop. They have everything. Uh, and he did the artwork for the podcast, the really cool skull Mike logo kind of deal. So check it out. Just head on over to sbam.rocks back on the sponsor train. They were off for a while, but they're back on and I'm excited because I'm going to get a brand new tattoo on new year's Eve. I'm not sure what I'm going to get yet, but my buddy Jacob Harrison past guest of the show is the proprietor and owner of permanence tattoo gallery over on Meridian Street in downtown Anderson, Indiana. You guys need to go there. If you're in this area, you need to get some artwork done by Jacob and all the fine folks over at Permanence Tattoo Gallery, or just check them out online if you're not local, at Permanence Tattoo Gallery. Last but not least, we have the new sponsor, my friends over at BetterHelp.com. Social like mental health, social health, emotional intelligence, all of this stuff that really matters. It matters to me and it should matter to you. If if you have, you know, anxiety, if you're stressed out, this pandemic, I mean, I've been yelling at my kids a lot more than I used to. Uh, you know, my wife and I've gotten into a, to a couple tiffs that are probably caused just by being stuck together 24 seven. If you're having any issues like that, or, you know, if you've had therapy in the past, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Counseling is never a bad thing. Asking for help is never a bad thing. You need to check out betterhelp.com. And if you're listening to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp, that's H-E-L-P.com slash T-O-T-O-T. They, 
it's great. It's cheaper anyway, even without the 10% off. It's cheaper than traditional therapy and counseling. They're going to match you with a really cool person that you're going to like, and they're going to listen to you, and they're going to help. And, you know, it's gonna, it's a new year coming up, 2021. So why not take all of your anxieties, take all your stress, take your depression, anything you're dealing with, and let one of the board-certified professional counselors over at BetterHelp.com help you out. It's a good place. You got to check it out. And make sure to use my link to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash T-O-T-O-T. Thanks a lot to BetterHelp for coming on board and sponsoring the podcast. That is all of the sponsors. If you guys have a band or a company and you want to sponsor an episode, you can hit me up, TOTOTpodcast at gmail.com or on any of the socials at TOTOTpodcast. I do have a couple pretty awesome spots available for band sponsors, and I am running a discount until the end of the year. So if you sign up before January 1st, you're going to get a nice little kickback in your pocket. So... We also have a Patreon. If you want to head on over there, you can support us that way. It is patreon.com forward slash TOTOT podcast. If you're not into that, but you still want to help out, you can hit up my Venmo. It is at Christopher Swinney. That is C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R-S-W-I-N-N-E-Y. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. Get a hold of me if you've got any questions, guests, suggestions, whatever. You know how to do it. It's over at TOTOTpodcast.com. It has all of the stuff. Speaking of stuff, our merch is there. I'd like to give a shout out to our art director and merch guru, Sarah at Road Dog Supply. We are running a deal from now until midnight on Christmas Day. If you buy any shirt, you get a free sticker pack from the TOTOT family for your holiday season. So check that out. Like I said, it's over at TOTOTpodcast.com. And while you are there and you're looking for shirts and whatnot, sign up for our mailing list. Super easy. It's at the bottom of every page of the website. And you'll always get these really cool emails all the time from me. And you'll know what's going on with the show. Also on Facebook, we have a lot of fun over there at the TOTOT community on Facebook Make sure to sign up for that as well. But that is it for the intro. I do have a radio segment today, so cue the theme music. On this edition of TOTOT Radio, I wanted to highlight something that I heard this past week that I really, really enjoyed. Um, if you listen to this podcast, I talk a lot, a lot. I talk a lot about my favorite bands, and uh, I know I've talked about this band quite a bit. But uh, being a kid of the '90s, a child of the '90s, I love the punk rock stuff, but I was also into the grunge, like Seattle sound. And a band that really did it for me and kind of changed my life was Alice in Chains. And if you're not that familiar, you've heard this the singles and stuff. I mean, if you're younger or whatever, they're 
You need to check them out. Lane Staley, their vocalist uh, that passed away, one of the, in my mind, one of the best vocalists of all time. And Jerry Cantrell's guitar playing and, you know, just everything about that band touched me and just made me want to play guitar, made me want to try weird chords and weird sixth harmonies and all this weird stuff. I remember playing uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, the very first Sonic the Hedgehog on my Sega Genesis in my bedroom, listening to Facelift and listening to Dirt and just... I don't know, man. They're just, they're one of my top bands of all time. I love the punk stuff, but there's a place in my heart for Alice in Chains. I mean, I became a punk after I was a grunge kid. So uh, the cool thing that happened this past week is that they were honored in this big, like, tribute live show. It, it honored Alice in Chains as the recipients of the 2020 Founders Award from the Museum of Pop Culture. And bands like Metallica and Korn, and I think Dave Navarro did this thing with Taylor from the Foo Fighters, and Corey Taylor sang it too, yeah. But it was it's just so cool, and one of uh, my my buddies from from the road that I haven't talked to in a while, and one of my favorite you know current singer songwriters, Mr. Dallas Green from City in Color and Alexis on Fire, he he covered Rain When I Die, which is one of my favorite. One of my favorite Alice in Chains songs. It's on their uh, their album Dirt, but he did this really cool, like you know, the way only Dallas could do it. And uh, man, it was just it. I haven't stopped listening to it. You know, all the other bands did a really good job, especially Corn. Normally, I'm not a big Corn guy, but uh, they they did Wood by by Alice in Chains, and they pulled it off really really well. But uh, yeah, Dallas just killed this version of Rain When I Die. Like he could put this out on a record like tomorrow, but man, it's, it's so good. But the event was really cool. It was viewed by like almost 300,000 people and they raised over $600,000 for charity and they got to honor one of the, one of the greats, Alice in Chains. So I know some of you out there might not be big Alice fans, but, but I am, and I thought it was really cool and it's really cool to see one of your favorite current artists cover one of your favorite all-time artists. And a lot of people online were, were saying Dallas and Chains. I thought that was pretty funny. But uh, that's all I'm going to tell you about it. I'm going to play it right now. It's uh, it's an amazing cover, at least for me. I think, I think it's great. And uh, hopefully in the future, we're going to have Dallas on the show. I've been talking to some of the other guys from Alexis about coming on as well. And I think it is going to happen in the future so uh yeah fingers crossed that dallas will come on as well i haven't talked to him in quite a while but i've always been a huge fan of all the stuff that he's done so this is dallas green from city and color and alexis on fire doing his rendition of rain when i die from alice in chains Try 
to take me? Did she call my name? I think it's gonna Something I said held against me. Ain't no life on the run, slowly climbing. Caught in ice, so she stares, stares at nothing. I can't help her but want. Now she hates me. She called my name. I think it's gonna rain. Oh, when I So there it was, Rain When I Die by Allison Chains, covered by Dallas Green from City and Color and Alexis on Fire. 
Uh, I could not like that anymore. I, I just love it so much. He also, a few years back, uh, down in Australia for the Triple J radio station, he did a cover of Nutshell by Alice in Chains. And I didn't even say this before, but you know, last year he got to open for Alice in Chains solo when they were touring Canada. I think Jerry even gave him a guitar. Man, it's, I got a lot to talk about to da- with Dallas if he comes on the show because we both have a very large admiration for Alice in Chains. But that is the intro, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, I know it's kind of been a long one, but uh, yeah, that's how I roll. If you don't like it, there's a little skip button you can hit to go 30 seconds ahead. So that's it for the intro. I'm going to give you what you came for. This is my conversation with Mr. Dave Haas. I hope you guys enjoy it. Here we go. And I'm on the line with Mr. Dave Haas. Dave, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's uh, I'm in Indiana, and it just started getting cold. I think the high today was like 45. So you're are you in Philly, or are you where are you at? I'm in Santa Barbara. I moved here in, uh, let's see, it was 2013, the end of 2013. So we're getting right on seven years, almost to the day, something like that. Um, that I've been out here and it's getting cooler here. We, we, we actually were just camping up in Big Sur and we're assuming that the weekend was going to be pretty, pretty chilly, but uh, we had a lot of warm weather up there. And, and then we, we got back down the coast here to, to where we live and, and you know, we just had a cold night uh, last night. So my, uh, my old bandmate, Chris Rowe from the Ataris, he, he actually lived in Santa Barbara for a while. He owned a record store on Haley called Down on Haley. Do you know where that road's at there in Santa Barbara? Yeah, I know where Haley is. That's, that's rad. Yeah, I, I, knew, I thought he was here at one point. Um, there's a bunch of people that, uh, that still live here that, that you know, talk about that era. Um, you know, like Joey Cape just moved back here and, and my friend Donald from versus the world, he lives here and, and there was overlap there with, with maybe a member or something. I'm not exactly sure, but, but yeah. Uh, well, yeah. My, Mike Davenport was in, uh, was in versus the world and he was the old bass player for the Ataris and he is currently in a lot of trouble for a real estate scam. I don't know if you know about that or not. Oh, I did know about that. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think he's actually currently in prison. Yeah. I think he, he, got a lot of a lot of a lot of charges <laughs> let's just say that yeah i i knew him peripherally at you know he would be at parties or shows um from from time to time but i didn't know him well um but yeah that was uh that was big gossip that was big news that came out a year or two ago that he was when that came out it was crazy because people like my phone did not stop ringing i didn't stop getting texts and i was not in the band when he was in the band so everybody just thought that i was like really good friends with him i've only met him a couple times but you know no offense to mike i'm sure he's not listening in prison (laughs) uh mate who knows i wonder what the wi-fi is like in prison i don't know it's probably pretty good you know (laughs) yeah yeah uh who knows so you know the way that i've been starting a lot of these things off um we're in these weird times with the pandemic and everything. And we'll talk a little bit more about that and how it affects writing and everything later, but how has it affected your day to day life? I know you're not touring and everything. And I also know that you are, you have twins now, which is a pretty cool Mm -hmm. thing. So Mm -hmm. how, how has the pandemic been affecting your day to day life? You know, 
when you think about how it's affected so many other people, uh, it hasn't affected our daily life nearly as much as it could uh, for a couple of reasons. One, where we live, um, we live in a detached home. You know, we rent this place and uh, we're not in an apartment building. We're not in a downtown kind of situation. So we can operate pretty free of other people, um, as free from other people as we want to be. So that that's pretty clutch. Um, you know, there are little difficulties when you run errands or go to the grocery store that everybody has to deal with, but, but from, you know, to get the mail or take the the trash out or any of that stuff, like we're not impacted. And then the other, um, sort of silver lining for us is our twins are just about to be two in January. So these years where they're, um, where it's so crucial that they, that they attach, um, emotionally with their parents. Um, this year has been amazing that way because I would have been gone a lot more. I would have been in the studio. I would have been touring and, uh, I've just been home with my sons. So, I mean, I think it'll have a lasting impact on how they view the world and, and how they, um, you know, just how they develop um, the fact that mom and dad are basically with them all day. My wife is working as, you know, she's a therapist. So she, her business has really um, had an uptick. Everybody's yeah. looking for therapy in these times. Um, but uh, yeah, so our, our daily life hasn't been nearly as impacted as it could have been. I mean, other than the obvious thing that I'm not out yeah. making my living. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's been great in, in, in those respects. I mean, we've done a lot of camping. Um, we've been taking the boys out for camping trips throughout the summer and, and even through this past weekend and, um, you know, spending a lot of time just home and, and, you know, going to the park and things like that. So I've been doing a lot of, uh, a lot of bonding time and raising my boys. Before the pandemic hit, you know, you being a touring musician, always busy doing something like you said in the studio or on the road, when you became a dad, did that worry you at all? Because I mean, I kind of, yeah. I had my kids later on, like I stopped touring about eight, nine years ago and I had my kids five years ago. So to me, my touring days were over. I could spend time here. I teach guitar for a living. So I'm always here. I have free time. When you're a touring musician, I talk to guys all the time that have kids. When you saw your babies that first day, like did anything change in your mind? Did it worry you that, wow, this is how I make a living and I have to be here for them as well? Yeah, for sure. Um, it still worries me uh, because to some degree, um, we're all waiting for that to come back. I think it's probably a year away, but we're waiting for the touring thing to come back. And that's where I make, you know, I would say 70 or 80% of my income. Um, and we live in a place that's not cheap. My wife and I, you know, this is where she's from. Uh, so I don't know how that's going to impact, but yeah, it definitely did worry me, still worries me because at this point now I can't even conceive of leaving for three weeks. Um, now that I've been with them, it was hard enough to do that in 2019 when they were like little babies. We, we did, we released an album, uh, four months after they were born. So we did a tour of Europe. We did all of the record release stuff. We did all kinds of festivals through the summer. And then we um, toured with Bad Religion. So we were really busy in 2019. It was really hard. 
But now they have these personalities that have developed, you know, like after nine, 10 months, maybe a year, you really start to know who they are. They start to become attached to dad more, more so than just mom. And, um, and then the pandemic hit. So uh, I've been with them day in and day out and can't even, I can't even dream of being gone for three weeks now, Uh, which is kind of the way to financially make Europe work, you know, with a bus and a band and all that stuff. So I think I'll be looking at different ways to do it. Um, You know, like I, I, I couldn't believe it when, when my friend Chuck Reagan, uh, who's, you know, he's sort of always been a little bit further down the road than me. He started a solo career earlier, obviously hot water music started a long time before the loved ones. And he had his son and then basically said to me, Hey, look, I'm fishing. <laughs> I, like I'm a fisherman. I, I do these guide tours for people and I play music on the weekends. I said, what, you know, you, you have a successful career. And he was like, yeah. And I, I can keep, the lights on with it to a degree, but I don't want to be away from my kid until he's in school. So he spent most of the last five years doing things on a, on a downshifted kind of, um, in a downshifted format. And I thought there's no way I could do that. And now I'm thinking, well, I, there's no way I couldn't do that. Yeah. So I don't know if it'll be a lot more weekends and, and a lot more duo shows with my brother, you know, Tim and I'll just go out and play, you know, piano and, and acoustic guitar or, you know, I, I want to play with the band, but I think even the economy that'll come back for touring will be different. I, I think that the deals will be different. The money will be less. The clubs will be, half of them will be shut. So I think we'll have to really come up with some new ways to do it regardless. And hopefully that means I see my kids. I was actually, I wanted to get your take on this. I was, uh, I watched this thing the other day on CNN. They were talking to this guy from Live Nation and he was saying how, you know, when things come back or when they at least are allowed to have shows again or whatever, the bands playing the stadiums will be okay. And the bands playing covers at the bars will be okay. But it's guys kind of like you, that mid range where you're going to play a club where maybe they won't be able to social distance. They won't be able to have the restrictions. Those are the guys that are really going to hurt. Does that kind of worry you a little bit? Not exactly. Because I think we have, we've, I've built this whole solo thing with the idea of being able to expand and contract. So I bring a band when I either aesthetically feel like I want to deliver the material that way or when there's, and or when there's like enough of a budget to warrant it. Um, So we can always just get in a car, Tim and I, and play at someone's house. And frankly, that might be um, a smarter way to do it because A, you can distance in people's yards. And, um, B, you take all the money, you know, like people will are willing to pay a little bit more for a show like that. Uh, and you make it all, or you make, you know, 90% of it or something. Whereas a club situation, um, you got to fill that club. And if it's not full, nobody's making money. And then, um, so I'm not, I'm not as worried about it because we can just play our songs with, you know, guitars into the night. We don't even need a PA. Um, but I do think that generally speaking, you're, you're, the Live Nation guy has a point because I think what will happen is if you're, um, let's say you're Alkaline Trio and you want to go on a tour where you could do 2,000 people a night, more than likely they'll be uh, playing places that are 1,000, you know, because it's just in order to make sure everything, you know, is successful. And, and then the people in the 1,000, place 
are going to go, ah, well, alkaline tri trio is here that night. Let's go to the 500. And then the 500 where we're usually at. So now we're sort of competing with people up a tier yeah, uh, who can, who know that they can get 500 people. They're not like us where we're like, I think we can get there. And so we'll be pushed down to the, you know, the 200 caps and things. And I think that that's going to be tricky. So I wonder if the smartest move will be to go even smaller and just take a higher percentage of what's going on and retool the show a little bit. I don't know. I mean, these are the kind of conversations that we're all kicking around. And, and the funny part of it is like, we can't really do any of it for six or eight or 10 months. And we don't really even know if we'll be able to do that. I mean, I think we'll know more after the election, but um, it's a weird thing. That whole economy is going to be super weird. And, and I guess the cold comfort that I take is that, we're all going to be struggling yeah, and we're all going to be trying to figure it out together. So it's not something that I have to like figure out myself. It's like something the whole industry is going to have to sort and I'm able to kind of drift and, and shift according to whatever makes the most sense for us. I was also thinking, I was talking to my wife about it last night. It just seems like everyone is, you know, doing the live streams and all this stuff and they put their PayPal up, which I think is great. And I have a lot of friends that have done that and they've, it's sustained them through the pandemic. Now, when everybody does get a comeback, I feel like it's going to be so oversaturated. Like, cause you know, you know, as well as I do, when you're booking a tour, you put kind of like the feelers out for dates and like, do you have this place open at this time? And I just feel like as soon as that green light goes on, every band in the world is going to go on tour and it's going to be really hard, not just competition for like people to come to your show, but just to get the venues that you need for the tour. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the best venues are the hardest ones to get when there's not a pandemic. And so if those best venues are even open still, there'll be even more people trying to get in. And again, I think that that the bigger bands will come down a tier. And so we'll have not just the competition to get that room that we would have from people that are similar size, but from people up a size. So I think all that stuff is going to play into it. The thing at the end of the day though, is um, I'm just trying to communicate my songs to people and can do that in a really intimate, close way. Um, I don't need a lighting rig. I don't need a PA necessarily, depending on how many people are there. And I don't, you know, there are ways to do it that actually might be more compelling, um, that might foster more of a connection than um, a banner dropping and the lights going on, off. And all that stuff is cool. It's part of the rock and roll circus. But I'm only going to do that if it, if I can still make sure my kids get shoes at the end of that tour, you know, yeah, yeah. like I don't care about that stuff enough to make it the, the, a necessity. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it'll be an interesting thing to, to, to be up against. I mean, you know, I think for me, it'll just be one, one thing at a time, you know, like that, if the, if the pandemic has taught me anything, it's to slow down and, and try to, uh, lean into the moment a little bit more and take things slower uh, just for my own emotional well-being. You know, like I, I think going back to the pace I was at pre-COVID wouldn't be healthy. Like I think I've learned some lessons about how hard I was gunning the engine and how that isn't the best thing for me. 
So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show, other than being a fan of your work and, you know, the loved ones and the Falcon and everything, I followed your career for quite a while. You have this oh, new, cool. these new like EPs, or I guess it's one EP. It's, you know, Patty Costello songs from D4 and, uh-huh. and then Patty Griffin, which when you look at those two on paper, they don't seem like they fit together, right? But the one thing that I love about this, and I've heard you in other interviews talking about it, I've always been a huge D4 fan. Eric's been on the show. And those songs, those Patty songs that you did, they do have like the just these these biting lyrics that just mean so much. And I always thought that their songwriting was a step above a lot of those other bands that were kind of in that genre. So I love the fact that you kind of made them your own and did your own take on them. And then the Patty Griffin Griffin songs are just beautiful, man. I just got to say, I, I love the new, the new stuff you're doing. Was that influenced by the pandemic to kind of do something unique like this cover album? I think the fact that it happened was influenced by the pandemic, but it was something I always wanted to do. I had, I guess I've just been inspired in the last couple of years to, to I'm always back and forth between the standard, oh, I have a new record in caps kind of approach and, and how much heat that brings to the, to the, to what we're doing. I mean, tours always do better when you have a new record and people get excited and new songs are certainly, um, you know, part of what fires everybody up. But I do love in hip hop and in pop, how quickly people put out music. And I think that in our little world, that doesn't happen enough. Like I have all this material that I could release um, that I don't because I'm, I'm sort of still abiding by this old, you know, like I'm somewhere in between, I guess. And I've wanted to do this Patty Patty thing. I actually wanted each thing to be a full record, like 10 songs of Patty Griffin and 10, 10 songs of, of uh, Patty Costello. And, and I sort of talked that over with my little team and everybody was like, ah, let's just, let's make them EPs and, and not overdo it, you know, you can always do more later, but like, let's just see how this goes. Um, but I, it's one of those things I've, I've been wanting to do and would have never gotten around to because I would have been, all right, we're touring, we're touring, we're touring. Now I'm home. Uh, okay, let's rest. Okay, let's write a new record. Let's record that new record. Then you're into the whole um, promotion of that. And I think that hamster wheel uh, sort of limits some of the creativity. Um, around like these other kinds of ideas, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're kind of like, well, with limited time, it's probably better if we just write new songs. Whereas with this, I was like, well, I don't really have new songs or they're, or they're not finished, but I want to, I've been wanting to do this and I've been wanting to learn how to record at home a little better. You know, I see your SM7 there and (laughs) and that's what I had. And, you know, I got some uh, universal audio equipment and and just this little home studio and and was like, well, I want to put it to use and Tim was in, my brother Tim was in Philly doing the same kind of thing. And I was like, well, let's try it. Yeah. And things started to sound pretty good, good enough to at least get it to a, a, a mixer. Our, our friend Andrew, who I've worked with a bunch over the years, was like, these are good. Let I can make these sound right. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, you guys have taken the ball this far kind of thing. Um, and so I think that's why, that's how the the pandemic impacted it was I just had the time. Yeah. Um, but no, this was an idea I've been kicking around. I have all kinds of ideas like this that are kind of screwball. And I have like a record that I wrote about writing my third album. So I, I was writing Bury Me in Philly and had a record 
a sort of meta garage rock kind of record about how frustrating the process was Yeah, that I just never did anything with. It's just sitting around. Um, I have leftover songs from all the records that just sort of live in the vault. And um, I would love to be more uh, prolific in terms of releasing. And maybe that's what this pandemic will be. There's also like reimagining old songs. It's weird when I go back to some of those loved ones songs. Well, like that new Bouncing Souls album. Have you heard that? That was volume two. It's great. So yeah, Greg's going to be on the show next week. I can't wait to talk to him. Oh, cool. Tell him I said, hey, I just did their podcast for their uh, Patreon. And it was great to just spend some time on, on zoom with them, you know, seeing all their lovely faces and reminiscing a bit, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, things like that would be fun because you know, when I hear those old loved one songs, I can hear the song, but I just want to grab that crazy young guy <laughs> in his twenties and be like, slow down. Yeah. You know, like you don't have to scream and you don't have to play so fast. Like people are going to miss these lyrics if you're not careful. So there was, you know, my brother was kicking around the idea of like, Hey, what if we reimagine keep your heart uh, and the two of us, because like, you know, we lost our mom and that's what that record is about. He was like, you know, I, I recently listened to the record and I would love to try that. So that's an idea. You know, I guess it just depends on how long we are stuck at home and how much work we want to do in our little studios to see what could come of it. Um, you know, you, there is some merit to constantly giving people, songs and you know i don't i don't know what it could hurt i guess um but it is weird it's like you gotta know i guess when to go back to to your main duty which is like bringing new material uh that you recorded in in the studio or whatever to people so that, that that's kind of the that's the north star and these are just all like the cool little diversions so we'll see i don't i'm not exactly sure now, in this, you know, today's climate of streaming and everything, we were just talking about how, you know, you're old school like I am. Like, if I'm in a band, I'm going to do a record. But yeah. do you still kind of worry about, like, the sequencing of a record or anything like that, knowing that people are just going to kind of pick and choose whatever they want? Is that a thing still? It is, yeah. For these EPs, that was a, like, I had a pretty clear idea of how I wanted them to flow and I think that worrying about it is is sort of a waste of time um, in, in that the worry shouldn't be, are people going to hear it in the sequence that you want them to? Because the answer is yes and no. Some people are just going to stream it, and cherry pick it, and they're only going to get the ones that show up on their release radar or whatever. But there are, you know, thankfully we have um, a pretty devoted audience. Um, that's the thing when you're kind of small people are really invested in, in your, uh, your, your art. Like there's not that peripheral people who are like, well, I'm here for the hit and I'm going to drink through the rest of the show. Like that's, that doesn't happen that much to us. People are kind of all in on all the stuff that we've done. And that's really cool. They go back and forth, like people who come to it as new fans, they go backwards and find the old records and stuff. Um, so I don't worry about it. Uh, whether or not people are going to understand the flow of it, I just do my thing and try to hold my own quality uh, as, as the rule, you know, like I want it to go like this. And for the people who are going to listen to it that way, I hope that they have the experience that, um, that felt right to me. And, and then, but people always kind of receive music 
how they're going to receive it. Like you might write a lyric that's so clear to you and it gets construed in a totally different way to other people. That's kind of the beauty of it. Yeah. So I try to just hold fast to the things that are important to me. And then the way that it gets to people is always circuitous and always complicated and always kind of weird. And you just hope that it strikes enough of a chord that they, that, you know, that it's useful to them. Now, when you're writing songs, like we'll, we'll go away from the EP for a minute because it's a cover thing. When you're writing mm-hmm. your own stuff, you know, I was first introduced to your music through the loved ones, you know, being a big Fat Records fan and knowing all those guys. When I got yeah. that record, I loved it, man. And then like the Falcon and like everything. When you're writing songs in that format, as opposed mm-hmm. to just you with an acoustic guitar, is there a difference? There wasn't. I wrote all those songs in a similar way. I mean, some of them, I guess we wrote in the jam space loud with, you know, the Marshall turned up and and all that jazz um, and the whole band there. But I mostly wrote those songs on acoustic guitar at home and brought them to the band um, with a few exceptions. Um, And really, I think just over the years, the, the interesting thing is like, I, I guess like as a kid, I was most impacted by uh, Springsteen and, and Tom Petty and Dire Straits and Brian Adams and things like that. Um, Heart was a big influence on me as a kid and um, Cyndi Lauper and stuff. So that's where my, you know, musical DNA, that and church are where my musical DNA kind of uh, really were formed. And then I've discovered punk rock in my, teenage years and that's how I played you know that's how I got in front of an audience or whatever or got shows and so most of my career has been unlearning those habits and and trying to figure out how to do what you know the greats did you know which would be you know your Neil Young's or your Tom Petty's or whatever like they figure out how to deliver their songs in a very direct manner in a compelling manner. And I think punk rock is, is all about the energy. And so it's real. What, what I kept finding was I'd spend all this time on the lyric and then I'd have people asking me what it's like to tour with uh, no effects or what it's like to be on fat records. And I was like, what? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What the hell? I just poured my heart out on this record. I don't what kind of question is that, you know? And, and it frustrated me more at the time because I was sort of trying to prove myself or something, but, and so now I guess it wouldn't bug me nearly as much, but I found that, uh, that energy is exciting for a while, but then some of the craft is lost. And, and I mean, like, just take, for instance, this EP, how, how many times have I even just seen in the, in the brief time it's been out people saying like, I never realized that was the lyric to that that Dillinger four song. And it's like, yeah, because the, the delivery system with which they're they're And, and that's no slight to them. I love that band. Yeah, yeah. I love how those records were made and I love how they sound and they, they hit me at a really um, important time in my life. But I, you know, Patty even said to me, like, we never get um, people recognizing us for our songwriting and for you to take the time and, and make it about the songs is, is, is kind of wild. And so I think like that, that was my struggle with, with, with punk rock as a, as a, as a genre, you know, like punk rock to me now is more of an attitude or more of an approach of, of, uh, you know, and it's just like rock and roll, you know, it's just, it just sort of 
what you call the against the green kind of mentality. Um, but yeah, I, all those songs were sort of written in the same way. It's just, you're, you're, you're going fishing in the consciousness of, of, of the world, you know, and hoping that you pull something out and, you know, an idea hits you and then you, and then you sort of apply some craft to it and hope that it all lines up. You know, I, I kind of try to keep it as simple as possible. And, and the simplest ones usually are the ones that connect with people. When, when you were playing with the loved ones and like all the bands you were in at the beginning, you know, kind of, I know you did like a stint and paint it black. You were in a lot of different stuff when you decided, or, and I guess not decided, but when the solo work kind of started to come out, was that a conscious effort or like, were you, did you have some anxiety about being the only person? You know what I mean? Like there's quite a jump from being in a dirty punk rock band to, <laughs> to then play in these kind of folky sweet, like maybe sweet's not the right word, but it's quite different. I mean, I like both. I know a lot of people, the stuff that you're putting out solo, there is that punk attitude and that punk edge, but mm-hmm. how, what were your thoughts and what kind of drove you into that aspect of doing music on your own? Well, I remember when the loved ones were, we had put out our first record. I, I had offhandedly said like, Oh, we'll put a couple of these out and then I'll do a solo record. And uh, it caused some friction in the band at the time. And, you know, one of the guys was like, what do you, why would you do that? And I was like, well, because I, you know, I don't want to be, um, uh, in a position where all my songs have to be shown through a band prism. Like you I don't want to be pigeonholed as one thing. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want freedom. And, and, you know, there was sort of, in my mind, I thought we, I would end up in a situation kind of like the old 97s and Rhett Miller, where there was like, there's the band or, or like the drive by truckers are another good example of, or Rilo Kylie at the time. Like yeah. it seemed like Jenny Lewis was doing a thing and Rilo Kylie was doing another thing. And that's kind of how I, conceived of it but really what happened was it just it was expedited by the the crash of 2008-9 where um what what I was doing just to keep the band afloat was I had a construction company that would sort of subsidize the lack of earnings that I had from being in a dirty punk rock band as you put it (laughs) that hadn't really made it like we were doing pretty well but we weren't able to feed four or five people other than on tour, like we could have stayed on tour all year, but we couldn't like go home and live off that by any stretch. So I had this construction company that did well. I had a partner and we, we were in remodeling and all this stuff. And so all of this stuff with the crash impacted not only my band, but also my my business. And, you know, so suddenly carpentry work was hard to find and the band, you know, the band was even harder to to have sustained any kind of reasonable lifestyle. So, uh, I went solo just on a lark. I was like, well, I can make a couple hundred bucks just strumming my acoustic guitar. I don't really know if I'm ready for this. And then it, one thing kind of led into another, I had a batch of songs that were even more laid back than build and burn the second loved ones record. And was like, well, I guess now's the time. And things just kind of snowballed. I, I ended up on the revival tour uh, like eight or 10 months after releasing my first solo record, I thought I would just do that and then go back to the loved ones. Um, and then the revival tour happened and all these people who had never heard the loved ones were just like, Oh, we just think of you as this guy with an acoustic guitar, you know? 
and on that tour, it was Brian Fallon and Chuck Regan and Dan Andriano were the other performers. And they all like privately pulled me aside and were like, listen, we don't want to be the guy that wrecks your band, but you should just stay solo. Like <laughs> to stay in this lane. And they all did it. It was really funny. And I was like, yeah, Chuck just said the same thing. Um, and so I brought all of the songs that I had for what would have been the loved ones third record to the band. And they were like, we love these. Um, let's record it and then see what happens. And, and I was like, well, we got to go on tour. And they were like, yeah, but we don't want to go on, on tour. And I was like, so you want to record an album and not tour? I'm not doing that. Like I'll, I can tell you right now, that's going to mean that the record fails. Um, it's, we're not just going to make this loved ones record, not tour it and then have it do so well that there's demand for us to tour. Like we have to go work. So that was sort of like an internal, um, squabble. And I was like, no, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm just going to make my next solo record and got management. And then, you know, just basically like one thing led to another and here we are. Yeah. And we've only done, I think 10 loved ones shows since <laughs> or 12 <laughs> or 15 or something, you know, in, in the last like 10 years. Um, so the band is just, you know, it's like an old camper that you keep in, in your, the back of your home that you just haven't started up for, for a long time. And it would take a lot of wrenching to get that camper out. You know, <laughs> you're just faster with a tent. It's funny that you were saying that like some people just know you as the solo act because when uh, when Tim Barry was on the show from Avail, he was telling me, you know, I said, do you have a lot of kind of like crossover people that are into Avail so they come see you? He's like, at the beginning, yes. But he said, now I've done so many different tours and different festivals and things that now there are people that just know me for the Tim Barry stuff that have no idea I was in this punk band. So, I mean, that seems like it's the same experience for you kind of, right? Well, I had a smaller mountain to climb in that regard because the loved ones were, were together for way less time and had only made two albums by the time I went solo. So I was watching Chuck and Tim to some degree struggle with that because they had made so many albums with their punk bands. And then with Chuck, like he's still doing Hot Water. So he's sort of um, making it complicated for for his solo career to stand on its own. I mean, yeah. it, it seems to be working out just fine, but I guess my point is if that's a worry, um, what you have to do is kind of pick a lane a little bit. Um, and yeah, so that happened faster for me than for some of my peers, but uh, it's, it's, it's another reason to keep going when, when people are like, Oh, we found the loved ones through this show that you played opening for such a such a band or we came we heard you play this one old song that we didn't know and we realized that you have this these other two records and so implementing those into the into the like catalog has been fun especially with the band like once i had a band and put that together in like 2017 we started to play love one songs just to kind of like expand the set list and that was really fun too to to kind of go back and be like oh yeah there's this all this material that doesn't get played anymore. We could, we could use this one. This will really make for a good encore or whatever, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's nice to go back and like find that can of beans, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you didn't realize you left in the, in the cupboard. Oh, look, a whole record, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, um, and some of it's, you know, more compelling than, than, than some, you know, some, some of the material is more compelling than, than others, but, but yeah, it's it's nice to have some of that stay pretty sturdy. 
when, when you're, you know, breaking out those loved ones songs, either just by yourself or with a band you're out on the road with when you have a full band, even though you wrote those songs, does it feel like you're covering somebody <laughs> a little bit? Sort of, but I, I find that to be true with a lot of the material just after a couple of years, you know, you get into a new headspace and hopefully you're, you're growing personally and challenging yourself to think differently. And so I find that to be true for resolutions or devour, you know, those are records now that I made 10 and seven years ago or something. And um, so that feels like covering to some, to some degree, <laughs> um, you know, and, and by the time we can finally tour again, it might feel that way for kick, you know, yeah. which is a record we put out last year. So I think that's kind of true for any material you make. You sometimes go like, who was that person? <laughs> And, and sometimes it's painful and that's why you stay away from certain material. And sometimes you're surprised and that by like, Oh, that, that kind of lands, that's a pretty good chorus or, you know, so it's weird. It's like, it all kind of shifts as you shift. Yeah. Well, you, you were talking about the revival tour. That's something I definitely wanted to bring up. You know, mm -hmm. I I'm the biggest hot water music fan in the world and yeah. all those guys on that tour, I never got to go because I was always on the road when those things were happening, but it just, the videos that I've seen and any of the interviews that I've seen with you guys, it seems like a very family vibe. Like you guys are just all super tight. And mm -hmm. the, the one thing I wanted to talk about is I've seen so many videos of it and I love it every time when you go out and play trusty chords <laughs> and then, you know, Chuck comes out and Brian Fallon and Dan or whoever's there. It's just like yeah. that song with everybody singing is so powerful. Can you tell me kind of what hot water means to you and what that song means to you? Cause it seems like everybody has this appreciation for that song. Well, the, the funny thing about that was that song has like kind of a through line for me to even performing at all ever in, in, a, in any kind of like meaningful or professional way. I was a roadie for the bouncing souls and, um, and sick of it all and all these bands in the early two thousands. And that's how I was kind of seeing the world. And there was a couple of real formative years where I was working for them. And at the time, uh, hot water had put out caution and I was friends with them and kind of introduced that record to the bouncing souls camp. And they all, you know, fell in love with caution and then the rest of the hot water catalog. And they did a tour together and Chris Wallard who wrote the song, I think was like not wanting to play trusty chords. Like he was like, I don't know. It's too high or it's too, I forget <laughs> what the reason was. And somebody just reminded me that this even happened. And so in the soul sound check, we would play it and I would sing it because it was within my range or whatever. And I was a roadie, you know, I was just doing guitars or whatever. And that sort of morphed into this post souls encore jam where everyone would come out and they'd play true believers and, and I would sing trusty chords, you know, like as the roadie, people were like, who is this guy? I'm sure people were so bummed, you know, like they were like, oh, great. The roadie's singing one. <laughs> and, um, but because uh, of Chris, like Chris was thrilled. He was like, this sounds really good. It's really fun to play with you. And we had such a fun time that that sort of gave me, it was like another step in, in the like, having the courage to go do the loved ones or, or to go out and play on my own when that would work, you know, people like to have two of my favorite bands that I, yeah, I was working for them, but I, it wasn't lost on me how incredible those bands were. 
to be encouraging and be like, well, you sing one was so cool. Um, and, and that sort of led to the loved ones. And then trusty chords was just a favorite through the years. And then I, I ended up doing it a couple of times solo. And then for whatever reason, I think there was like a YouTube of it in a garage somewhere that, that did well. Um, you know, like people watched it a lot on YouTube. And then by the time we did the revival tour, it was like, well, let's definitely do trusty because it's a favorite of Ryan's and Dan's and yeah. everybody's. So it just is one of those special songs that, um, that I got to play as a roadie and every now and again, we dust it off even now. I mean, I'm doing a show with Chuck, like a co build uh, live stream up in San Francisco in a couple of weeks. And it's funny you brought that up. Cause I was like, I wonder what we'll play together. Trusty As if chords. we wouldn't play that. And, <laughs> yeah, and we probably should play that. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I don't think of it often anymore because there's so much other stuff to do so much, so many other songs to play, but that would be pretty special to, to dust it off for that one. I mean, that, that cool. song just means so much to me being a fan of that band. And when I was, I me was, too. I always do like a little like video research before I talk to people, even though I, like I said, I followed your career. I was like, I'm going to go on YouTube and put his name in and just see what comes up. And the first yeah. like nine things were different dates of that tour and you guys doing trusty chords. And I felt a connection, oh, cool. man, because that, that song means a lot to me too. So I'm, that's super awesome that you got to do that. I also, when you guys were in Australia and it was like you, Hot Water and The Souls, was that when you were roading or were you playing on that tour? No, that was in 2010. That was the tail end of 2010. So I had resolutions done. And really that was one of the first tours I did as a solo person. So um, I can't remember, I can't remember what the circumstance was. I knew that they were going to Australia. And I think at the time, Kate, their manager was having roofing problems in Asbury Park. So I was on the tail end of contracting and I came up and helped her and uh, we finished up her roof or whatever. And she was like, you just won yourself a trip to Australia. And I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? She was like, we're going to Australia, you know, and you, we want you to open it. And I was like, do you like the songs or is this cause I put the shingles <laughs> on your roof? <laughs> like that kind of thing. But anyway, I got to go down on that tour and that was another big um, opportunity, you know, again, to play solo ahead of those two bands in Australia and New Zealand before I even had a record out it was yeah. like pretty mind blowing. I, I, sadly, I've only been back once which was another great tour. It was with Gaslight, but um, I just have, I've had trouble getting back down there for whatever reason. Hopefully when the pandemic lifts, yeah. we can make a visit to Australia and New Zealand. I love, I love it down there. It's awesome there, man. It's just so far away. <laughs> I know, I know. But thankfully in California, we are a little closer. A little than, bit closer. When yeah. I lived on the East Coast. So but, one, uh, one other thing, when I was looking through the YouTube stuff that I thought was awesome, there's a million videos from your 40th birthday. Yeah. And I, I just want to say you and I were basically the same age. You were born in March of 78. I'm October of 78. So ah, cool. I thought that was cool. There's not a, most of the time the guests are way older or way younger. So you and I are right there in the middle, <laughs> but yeah. uh, those videos were so cool. Like I, I saw your dad playing a song with you. Dan from alkaline trio was there. Just so many cool guests. Where, where did that take place? It didn't look like Santa Barbara. <laughs> and can you kind of give on me the outskirts of Santa Barbara? Oh, is it? It's okay. Yeah, the foothills of Santa Barbara, there's a place called Cold Spring Tavern. That's this old stagecoach stop. And uh, I've been after Chuck for years to do a revival tour, like either video or show there. 
and he was on the bill and sadly his father passed right before. So he couldn't, he like, he was on the, on the show. It was Chuck, Corey Brandon, me, Dan and Heather um, Morgan. And at the last minute, Chuck's dad passed and he had to fly to, to Louisiana or Texas or something to, to, to go to the wake. But um, yeah, that was just, you know, I wanted to, the mudslides and, and, and fires happened here in, in Santa Barbara and wiped out big parts of, of uh, people's lives. And so I wanted to do something positive and, and it sort of just coincided with when I was turning 40 and my wife wanted to do something, you know, uh, for me turning 40. And I was like, no, 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 no. I either want to do nothing or something ridiculous and big and that also gives back. So yeah, yeah. that was sort of my way out of a, of a party of, you know, <laughs> a sushi party or something. Like I was like, I don't, I don't want to celebrate with friends. I want it to either be this big deal or nothing at all. So we ended up doing that and gave all this money to charity and, and had a great time. And, and, um, you know, thankfully people were there on hand to film it. And, and so we, I think it was just a couple months ago, we started releasing little, you know, each song. Yeah. Um, and that was fun. You know, that was like kind of uh, a nice thing to look back on during, during this pandemic, like, Oh, that was a fun show. And, and I think now people have asked if we could do the audio. So maybe we'll put that up on Bandcamp or something, but um, yeah, that was really special, man. That was a, it was a great day. My dad flew out for it and it was a, it was a really cool way to, to um, spend an otherwise kind of disconcerting birthday. You know, you turn 40 and you're like, Oh my God, I feel like I'm 25. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so what better way to pretend you're 25 than to play in the woods with all your friends, and, you know? <laughs> I mean, the vibe, so, the vibe just, it, just from watching the videos, the vibe was so great. People were singing and everybody was filming and taking pictures and, I don't know, man. It was just such an awesome vibe. I, my 40th birthday, I think I went and got sushi. Like you said, I didn't get to do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's what I did for my 30, 41st and 42nd. Yeah. yeah uh, right. but, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I would like to do more of those kinds of things. Um, you know, it, it's weird because there was this really special thing that, that that Chuck was building for a couple of years with revival that we haven't really gone back to very often. Um, and, uh, we tried to do something around riot fest last year and we just couldn't get it together. And it's a really difficult thing. Cause as much as that family vibe is there and as much love is there, like everyone now has like solo careers or whatever. And so, you know, the idea of all getting together and doing all this extra work and then splitting the money I think is a harder sell when everybody has kids yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and everyone's just busy, you know, with their bands and so on. So uh, it, it seems to be something that's pretty far in the rear view, but we, we've, we've done a couple things. Like we did one down in San Diego last year with Dan and Chuck and I for charity. That was really special. Um, uh, you know, we, we kind of revisit it here and there, but for the most part, everyone's kind of moved yeah. into their own kind of lanes. And, uh, and so I, I credit that for, for a big part of why I'm able to do this is it, it just introduced me to a lot of new people when I was, you know, very, very new to it. Well, Hey, I have a, I have some listener questions. I always ask on Instagram if people have questions, would you mind answering those? 
Sure. Let's see what they are. (laughs) So Susan from Germany says, I know that Patty Costello has commented on the new EP, but has Patty Griffin said anything to you? Through their, through her management. Yeah. They were, they were positive. They, they were psyched. Um, I think that what we have come to find out is everybody covers Patty Griffin. (laughs) Like, you know, she, the, including like, uh, the chicks, you know, the, the, the chicks, formerly yeah. known as the Dixie chicks, um, huge artist, Susan Boyle. Like, I mean, everybody in the know covers Patty Griffin. She's an amazing so songwriter, man. Yeah. I mean, she's, you know, she's friends with Robert Plant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that's any indication of like sort of a stratosphere that she's living in. So her commenting on it online or something would sort of be, almost bizarre yeah um but yeah through we had to get certain permissions um for photos and things of that nature and they were pumped you know like the the um the management was excited and you know she wanted to hear it and stuff like that and and so that's that's as far as it's gone i mean it just sort of came out so um who knows if she'll if she'll boost it but again i don't i think if she boosted every cover of a patty griffin's song she would be you know, online tweeting more than she'd be writing those perfect songs. But, but Patty and I are also friends for 20 years. So like, like one of the first times Dillinger Ford came through Philly and played at this squat in West Philly, my high school band opened for them. Wow. So there's been a long standing love and friendship and a lot of beers and, and, and drugs done between me and Patty. <laughs> so um, that was, that was certainly more, of a uh that, that that was an easier thing to, to like i texted him the songs and he like sort of got this like what are you doing you know it's like don't you have a manager to tell you not to do this crazy shit <laughs> um so uh so yeah that's kind of the 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 rap there well maybe uh maybe patty griffin will become a huge d4 fan that would be something <laughs> you brought them together right <laughs> That would be something, yeah. If she, if on her next record she covers a, a, a floater left with, a, well, I don't know, you know who knows. <laughs> okay, Susan from Germany, thank you so much for that question. Jerry from Philadelphia says, "Are there any updates on releasing the video or audio from the last Love One show at Union Transfer?" Oh, um, yes, yeah, sort of. We were working pretty hard on that, and then. Um, the George Floyd situation developed over the summer and uh, we were just about to put that thing out and it just didn't feel like the right time. I ended up writing a song um, called your ghost and focused all the energy on that and put that thing out and recorded it and so on. Um, And so we realized as we like sort of, we picked it back up and, and we were like, well, what if we did a little more work to this and expanded it a little bit more and just, release that for the 15 year anniversary of the record, which is in 2021. Okay. So what we'll probably do is like do a premiere of it then. So February of 21. So not that far, maybe four or five months from now with more, more, uh, more pomp and circumstance, like maybe some more like commentary or something. I got to look into it, but that's sort of what, we was going to come out in the summer and then we were like, ah, it's not really, doesn't feel that appropriate right now. And then 
I just got busy with Patty and Patty and, and, but the director, the guy who made the film, uh, has a plan and, and it looks really cool. We, we ended up pretty excited about it. I, I, I um, it was, it, it turned out, it turned out pretty good. Actually. I don't know about the audio. I don't know that we'll release anything that way, but it'll definitely be something that will be available to see. Um, the audio, I'm not sure if it stands up on its own without the visual. I'm not sure where we left that. I mean, it, it's weird. It's like, I know people anticipate this kind of stuff, but I kind of think of it as an afterthought. It's like something I did so long ago that it's harder to, to make it a top priority. But I think we're going to do something with it, like I said, in February. Cool. Well, Jerry from Philly, thank you so much for that question. I have one more listener question. Claudia from Germany. We have two Germans asking questions today. Yeah. Did your father really teach you to play the guitar and was it a bonding experience for you guys? He taught me some stuff and still teaches me stuff from time to time. Like if we get together, he'll there's stuff he knows how to play. And I'll be like, how do you play that? Um, a lot of times now that's like when we're learning a song to play for his grandkids, also my nieces and nephews. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was bonding and, and his old gear was certainly part of what uh, I had at my disposal as a teenager. Um, there's a story of me um, <laughs> wanting to go to band practice at my buddy's house in the neighborhood, which was uh, maybe a 15 minute walk through through the neighborhood. And it was a 1965 Deluxe Reaver, which I've bought one for myself now. Um, you know, once I was old enough, but at the time I, it occurred to me that my friend lived at the end of a hill and it would be faster for me to put the, the amp on my skateboard and sit on the amp and then just haul ass yeah. towards my friends. Now this is an old tube amp. Yeah, totally. So needless to say, I got to my friend's house and turned it on and dad, it's not working. And all that jostling had like, you know, made the tubes shake out and stuff. So, um, I'm sure he was horrified at some of the uses <laughs> that I found for his old gear, but yeah, it was, it was bonding and, and guitar and music and, and all that stuff is still one of the main things we have to bond over me and my dad. And, uh, so, so yeah, he did teach me some stuff. I did have to go get a few lessons and then a lot of my, my, uh, guitar stuff was self-taught, you know, once, once I got into punk and metal, nobody wants to teach you that stuff. <laughs> that's where I come well, in. That's, that's where I come in as a teacher. Cause I teach that stuff all the time. Well, yeah, they didn't in the eighties, you know? <laughs> so, you know, on that topic, I will just kind of close it up with this being a father. You know, I, I love to talk about the whole dad stuff, especially when punk rockers become fathers. It's kind of cool, you know? Um, yeah. my son and daughter both show a huge interest in music. They're toddlers. Currently, my son's going to be five next year, but I've already taught him like three chords and he just, he, he beats on it. He doesn't really understand yet, but he loves the guitar. I don't yeah. want to pressure my kids to do music, but I do want to have them have the option. What are your thoughts on that? Because it's always like, you know, Oh, I have two boys. It'd be awesome if we had like a family band or something. Do you ever think about that? Or do you want to steer them into something else? Um, I mean, steering is for me, music is so, um, fundamental in terms of human, uh, communication. I mean, even the cadence that people use with toddlers and babies is musical. And that's what 
they're responding to like da 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 you know when you're like talking baby talk it's so that they can kind of understand that things are safe and um so it's really inherent to your um to to i mean it's inherent to your makeup to be musical i think um and then my kids have shown an enormous interest in it that ju- that sort of steers for me yeah. i mean i'm not going to take a guitar away from them and be like no, go play basketball. But there's a basketball hoop out there too that they they like to use. Um, it, it for me, it's like steering them towards or away from music. I'm always going to steer them towards it. There's always music on. We're always singing. We make up songs all day long, and they they're thrilled with it. And yeah. they're you know they're starting to sing. That my little son Harrison's always going. Ah, through town, <laughs> it's, you know, like he sings that all day long because he loves cars and he loves yeah. the wheels on the bus and so on. Uh, so I don't think of it as like um, you're steering them towards a vocation. You're steering them towards joy with music. Yeah, yeah. If they choose to to like take it up as a as a thing, that's different. You know, being a professional musician or a songwriter or a drummer or whatever, that's a whole different ball of wax that we don't have to worry about for a while. But music will always just be in our home. You know, it's, it's what I do. It's what gives me fuel uh, for my soul. My, my wife is a huge music fan and, and it's just what we're going to be. Um, but all the stuff that comes, you know, in terms of career or should they go into baseball or piano lessons or all that, that'll be steered more by their own interests um, later on. Like you probably have to deal with that more now with a five-year-old. Well, yeah, he, he's starting to like show interest in sports and stuff like that, but music is still number one. And like down in my, in my heart, it makes me happy because I love music so much, but it's his favorite song currently is dynamite by BTS. So I don't know if I'm actually showing him. They're pretty good. Actually BTS. They are right. I mean, they're they're pretty cool. They're like the most viewed group on YouTube. So, I mean, they're doing something right. Yeah. Um, yeah. All that stuff is like, I, you know, I'm trying not to worry about that as much because I think that worry gets transmitted onto them as well. That like anxiety of, are you going to be a Republican or are you going to be, a, you know, like, and I don't, it's, to me, it's like, I just want them to know that they're accepted and loved. And hopefully that works out most of, um, most of their issues through life. They know they've got a steady dad and a steady mom that love them and love each other and love music. And, and so from there, if they want to get into baseball or, or, um, you know, whatever, the one thing I won't let them do is play football. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm not going to let them run head, head first into each other. Um, I broke my arm about seven times playing football. So yeah, I think I'm kind of against that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And even, you know, skating, obviously I let them skate, but stuff that's dangerous to them, I think I'll have a a harder time accepting, which is probably what they'll be attracted to. They'll probably be running (laughs) out of trees and shit, breaking arms. Totally. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of my take on it is, is to be, is to think of music not as like, an alternative to sports or an alternative to extracurricular activities, but to think of it as like an all encompassing soul filling thing, just like food. Yeah. Uh, and, and then that sort of idea or, or um, vibe they can take with that into their life and do with it as they please. Well, I think we agree on that, man. The very, 
heartfelt answer. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, I tell you what, man. I, I, I like music a lot. <laughs> oh, me, me too, man. That's the reason I am doing this. I mean, I, I felt disconnected because I wasn't touring anymore. And this has been the best thing in my life because I get to talk to really cool people I admire like yourself. So thank you so much for being on. Well, you're good at it, man. Like you you have a real natural conversational way. And, and it's been a pleasure to have this conversation and to be on here. And it's no wonder you're getting people to to do it and to listen because it 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 is pleasant to to talk. You're you know like some people you end up in these situations with them. They're like, so you know what's the name of your recent out? You know like yeah. they don't do any research and you're like, ah, oh, god damn it, like, dude! I do like three three pages of notes. I just I. I love talking to people and especially people that I admire their, their, like, I love your music. I've listened to you for a long time. Thanks man. And it just, I don't know. I've, people have told me that before. Like, well, you're really good at this. Like, I, I don't think of myself as like a journalist. I just want to ask questions that I want to know the answers to, you know what I mean? And hopefully that resonates with people that listen. So thank you so much, man. Right on, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, one last thing. Um, actually a couple last things. I know you just mentioned you have this live stream coming up with Chuck Reagan. Um, do you have anything else in the future or can you give us a little bit more like information on that so they can check it out? Yeah, that I think we're releasing, uh, the information for that either today or tomorrow. So you can just go to DaveHaas.com. That'll be, it'll be up there or, or Twitter or Instagram or whatever. We'll do a blast once I have the info, but, um, so that's happening November 21st and, uh, Patty, Patty is out digitally and, and the, 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 the records have been made. So it's, it's an EP, it's two EPs on each on one side of vinyl. Okay. Um, and our colored vinyl that we've had available is almost gone, almost all sold out of the first pressing. So if you want that, grab that. And, um, and then I guess it's going to be writing new songs and, um, we're going to try to celebrate resolutions has been out for 10 years. My first solo record, will have been out for 10 years in February. So somehow we'll do that loved ones thing and then celebrate resolutions, maybe with a live stream or awesome. something. I'm not exactly sure. Um, that's coming up, but that's a few months away. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess that's about it. Other than that, just please, please stop spreading this fucking virus <laughs> so we can all go back to work. Wear your fucking please. masks, man. <laughs> yeah. Wear your masks and like try to avoid doing things that are going to, hurt people i know it seems crazy to have to say but think of your fellow man <laughs> and woman you know it like please dude i i totally feel you i i always have a little segment on the episode when i do my intro where i talk about how the the cases are here in the midwest which right now they're they're skyrocketing you know so i know man it's but. it's a drag well, it's I can't so wait sad. for it to be over so I can come see you live. I, it's going to yeah. be amazing. We'll hang out, maybe drink a beer or something. But uh, the last thing that I want to say is one of my bucket list guests is Mr. Chuck Reagan. So oh, it, cool. if you would at least tell him I said hello. I've met him a few times in passing. Tell him that he should come on this show because I'm so good at what I do. <laughs> Okay, I will. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I have a I have a bunch of things I gotta tell them, and that I'll just add that to the list. Add that to the list. The funny thing is, we were gonna do two shows, and I was sort of pushing for that. I was, Let's do a show for Europe, and then we'll do a show for America. You know, like yeah. we'll do two in one day because we're we're gonna be at the Great American Music Hall in San San Francisco. And he was like, "Let's do one show, and then we'll have dinner." And I was like. <laughs> 
my man. <laughs> so there might actually be time to, to have some good conversation awesome. and catch up a bit. And I'll mention that, that this was a uh, very pleasant. This was a, pa- a painless podcast interview, right? <laughs> it was actually quite enjoyable. Awesome, man. Well, like I said, I, I've admired your career and your music for a long time. And like, I can't wait to hear new stuff. I love the new EPs and, uh, Whenever you have something new, please come back and hang out with us, okay? Will do, man. Thanks, Chris. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a great night, my man. Later, bud. So there it was, my conversation with Mr. Dave Haas. I would like to thank Dave so much for his time. I had a blast chatting with him, and uh, hopefully we can get him back on the show in the future. I know I always say that, but how cool would it be if he came back because they were doing a loved one's reunion? Fingers crossed. (laughs) I love his solo stuff, but I am a big, big fan of The Loved Ones. And uh, by the way, if you guys haven't checked that out, check out his old band, The Loved Ones. They're they're great. They put out something on fat. I think, uh, yeah, you got got to check them out. They're awesome. So also, the reason that I wanted to have him on the show, make sure to check out his new double EP, Patty Patty, that is P-A-T-T-Y forward slash P-A-D-D-Y, streaming now. And uh, you can also pick up a physical copy over at DaveHaas.com. That is D-A-V-E-H-A-U-S-E dot com. But that is it for this week. Thank you so much for coming back week in and week out. I really appreciate the support. Uh, the merch has been selling well. I guess some people are getting some that one time on tour shirts for Christmas, which is never a bad thing. But make sure to sign up for our mailing list and grab some of that merchandise. Remember, now until Christmas, order any shirt and you get a free sticker pack. And if you haven't seen the sticker packs, they're, they're pretty badass. Sarah did a killer job on the sticker packs. So just head on over to TOTOTpodcast.com and get connected. So before I jump out of here, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to play some music like I always do. If you listen to this show, you know I play music. Uh, I don't know if it demonetizes my YouTube if I put this up or what, but I always play music because this is a music podcast. That's part of it. So I am going to start it off with one of my favorites from the Dillinger 4 covers on the new Patty Patty release. It's entitled The Great American Going Out of Business Sale. And then I'm going to follow that up with one of my all-time favorite songs from Dave. It is called We Could Be kings there's a really cool video for it on youtube as well if you want to check that out but i love you guys and gals i will catch you next week when my guest will be mr chuck robertson from the mad caddies yes christmas episode with chuck from the mad caddies uh well i continue my quest of chatting with every fat wreck band that has ever existed People were kind of saying that to me and kind of making fun of me. Like, man, you've had a lot of fat bands on your show, but that is now my quest. And I'm going to like try to get like guns and wankers and screw 32 and like bands that don't even exist anymore. I'm going to try to get them on this show. Every fat band that's ever existed is going to be on this show. Speaking of fat records, they just did, uh, some vinyl re-release and they re-released Atari's look forward to failure. I believe is what it is. The EP that the Atari's put out on fat. That was way before I was in the band, but if you guys want to check that out, it's pretty cool. It's the first time I think you've ever been able to get it on vinyl. I'm not sure if it sold out or if they did a limited run, but uh, you can go to fatrec.com and check it out. So shout out to 
Vanessa and Aaron and Mike and all my my friends over at Fat Records. You guys are doing some good stuff, and I will have every band ever from Fat Records on this podcast at some point. Uh, I've got the, the episode with Aaron coming up in a few weeks, too, so make sure you stay tuned for that. The best way to not miss any of the Fat Records bands on this show, my episode with Chuck from the Mad Caddies, or my episode with Aaron, or anything that's coming up, is to subscribe. So wherever you listen, hit the follow button, hit the subscribe button, and you'll never miss any of the quality content that I provide weekly. So I'm out of here. I love you guys. Up first, the Great American Going Out of Business Sale, which is a D4 cover, and then Dave's awesome song, We Could Be Kings. I love you. As always, this is Chris. Peace. We were raised to be just what we are In case you didn't know If I offered up to you some proof Would you let your anger show? Would you put your mind to sleep? Kept on by simple novelties And a history that's really not your own Is freedom just a privilege of hatred guaranteed? Is compassion just a second thought of hope brought to its knees? Can dignity see fit to work past all it doesn't want to see? Seven guns for degradation Three cheers for cruel tradition Red, white, and black eyes forever Somewhere south of respect tonight This tension's locked up nice and tight The static's felt, but never makes a sound Folks find nothing left to eat And sell their bodies on the cheap While Klansmen flood a conference hall downtown This TV has the answers Let fashion have your eyes This job is your achievement This Bible is your pride can dignity see fit to try and fix what it knows fear can't hide seven guns for degradation three cheers for cruel tradition red white and black eyes forever father told me about a fella he knew in the army the pentagon traded him checks for both his legs fuck the states was the last thing father heard he had said still it said that this war was won but i refuse to be just another dead nation's bastard son that see I have a mind that thinks I have a mouth that speaks and god damn it it will because I've had enough of all this shit
shit about making do and playing ball the way things are and dealing with it mixing popping politics he asked me what the use is i'm not into making excuses and i'll die the day i find i'm fucking useless
Hey, this is Lars Fredrickson from Rancid. This is Mark O'Connell from Taking Back Sunday. This is Tom from MXPX. Hey, this is Jay Bentley from Bad Religion. This is Vinny from Less Than Jake. This is Travis from Coheed and Cambria. This is Chris number two for the band Anti-Flag. Hey, this is Ricky Rocket from Poison. This is Pete Parada from The Offspring. Hey, this is Zach Blair from Rise Against. Hey, this is Eddie from the band Thrice. Hi, this is Frank Tanner. Hey, this is Jim from Pennywise. Hey, this is Eric Smelly, the drummer of No Effects. Hi, this is Bill from Faith and More. Hey, this is Chris from Propagandy. Hi, this is Roy from No Easter Name. Hi. This is Ben Gillies from Silverchair. This is Stefan from Descendants, and you're listening to That One Time On Tour with Chris Swinney. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love or want to love or hate yeah imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that uh has impacted your life uh and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week so triangulate your speakers think about jumping off the bed singing along dancing like an idiot and listen to axe grind podcast